push any button. Anymore. If we put it here, it should be all right. Before I begin, if you're having difficulties uh, hearing me, you can come closer because the mic isn't working and uh, it's going to be a little difficult with this traffic, but we'll try to do our best. <coughs> Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, الذي هدانا سبولنا. Alhamdulillah, الذي هدانا صراطا مستقيما. وأن هذا صراطي مستقيما فاتبعوه. وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له. إذا قضى أمرا فإنما يقول له كن فيكون وأشهد أن سيدنا ومولانا محمدا صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم عبده ورسوله وما كان لمؤمن ولا مؤمنة إذا قضى الله ورسوله أمرا أن يكون لهم الخيرة من أمرهم من يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا مضل له ومن يعص الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا هادي له ومن يتوكل على الله فإن الله على كل شيء قدير Brothers and sisters committed Muslims The instructions, the teachings, the directives, the counseling that comes to us from Allah and His Prophet expects us to behave like brothers to brothers. Kunu ibadallahi ikhwana. Be Allah's subjects like brothers to brothers. And the Prophet's hadiths are numerous. We've quoted them many, many times. But then we, the Muslims of today, show that we are not able to act like brothers with brothers. When there are divisions, divisions of nationalism, divisions of sectarianism. Sectarianism right now is the main divider. Divisions of schools of thought, even within the same Sunni context or Shi'i context, there are divisions pertaining to who's the scholar you're going to follow, and these divisions keep on multiplying. And we've been trying to shed light 
on the major division that has poisoned the atmospherics of the Muslims. And that division is has to do with these with the performance of our obligations, our personal obligations. No one wants to factor in our collective op- obligations. It's our personal obligations that become the measurement of whether you are a true Muslim or whether you are a lesser Muslim or even not a Muslim at all. And these fiqhi details that we spoke about in the previous two or three khutbas, these fiqhi details continue to be promoted by those who sideline the unity of the Muslims, unity with diversity. If we are a variety of opinions, that doesn't mean we have to have bad feelings towards each other. It just means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us a latitude for pursuing the best that our minds and hearts agree upon. I'm going to take, I'm going to add to the previous khutbah some of these issues that make some Muslims, this is the Umawi Islam, has nothing to, this is not a Umari Islam, it is not a Alawi Islam. This is an Umawi Islam. These issues are promoted, these issues that become divisive issues, which I will go through right now, they are promoted by people who have power and wealth and they could care less for the average Muslim, the -the run-of-the-mill Muslim, the struggling Muslim, they don't care about this. And division has always been an instrument that is used by those who are in power. إِنَّ فِرْعَوْنَ عَلَى فِي الْأَرْضِ وَجَعَلَ أَهْلَهَا شِيَعًا يَسْتَضْعِفُ طَائِفَةً مِّنْهُمْ That's what they do. They divide us into cliques, into factions, and they are in comfort as they control what doesn't belong to them. The power and wealth they have doesn't belong to them. So what are these issues that they want to make us involved in? We'll take number one. According to some schools of thought, actually most schools of thought, it is not permissible in the second tashahud, in the salah, to ask for a worldly good Let's say someone wants to get married. A young Muslimah or Muslim wants to get married. After a salah ala nabi in the second tashahud, is it permissible for this person, I'm giving an example here, is it permissible for this person to say, Oh Allah, give me a virtuous spouse. 
or give me a wealthy spouse. Is that permissible or not permissible? Well, according to many schools of thought, that type of dua is not permissible. You can make dua, oh Allah, have me enter into paradise. Oh Allah, forgive my misgivings and my mistakes and these things. That's all right. So, some schools of thought say it's okay. Some say there's a majority, minority opinion in the schools of thought. Forget about that detail for this moment. But why should this, ask yourself, why should this become a divisive issue? Why should a Muslim not recognize the other Muslim who agrees or disagrees with this as an equal Muslim? It's the Umawi Islam. That's when when this whole issue began. They wanted to divert our attention from those who are squandering our resources and abusing power over us to have us locked into these types of definitional issues. Same thing is in a salah. Let's say the imam goes down to the sajda and the person following the imam, the ma'moom, is faster than the Imam and he goes down to the sajda before the Imam. Does that annul the salah or does it not annul the salah? Some fuqaha say it annuls the salah. Others say it doesn't. Whether it does or it doesn't, I'm not here to tell you one opinion is definitely correct and another opinion is definitely wrong. What we should learn from this is both of them should live with each other. Both of them should not generate bad feelings about each other. That's the lesson that has to be learned so that we can conquer this historical weight that has driven us, literally driven us into the ground. Another issue. It's a minor issue, but to some people it's a major issue. If there is is an imam leading the salah, and then another person joins this imam in salah, he joins him, the majority of schools of thought say if you're joining an imam, you join him on his right hand side. Now this ma'moom comes to a salah and he joins him on the left hand side. Or he joins him behind, from behind. He's not either on the right nor on the left. He's behind the imam. He's praying. Is that salah acceptable or is it not acceptable? We have fiqhi opinions both ways. So what? Why is anyone making an issue that generates distances among Muslims because of something like this. They're not praying to the faqih who originated the opinion, they're praying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he'll accept. Allah's rahmah is going to be stuck on whether the person praying with the imam is on his side or behind him. It's another divisive issue that they bring up. 
let's say, and we go to another issue. A person wants to clean him his private parts. Those are private parts. And the water that is used for cleaning is called istinja. The water that's used for that has, let's say, rose water in it, or has saffron in it, or has something that is in and of itself tahir, in it. Is that when the person cleans his private or her private parts with that type of liquid, water with another is it acceptable or is it not acceptable believe it or not this is an issue that generates bad feelings someone goes with this opinion both of those are correct some say no it's not acceptable it has to be it has to be absolute water nothing in it and the other opinion says no if there's a tahir in it that's not a problem so this creates bad feelings among some Muslims that when they if if some Muslim knows that the other Muslim has another opinion they won't pray behind him or with him they won't brothers and sisters these are the gaps these are the loops that we have created for ourselves and because of that these divisions and the separation that we have our the people who have guns and ammunition and weapons and all of this stuff, they came. They say, look at the Muslims, they have these divisions among themselves. Okay. All power to them, so that these divisions can increase. The, in the tashahud, the last tashahud in a salah Let's say a Muslim didn't say, Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ali Muhammad. Is his salah accepted or not accepted? There are opinions both ways. Okay, we know that now. We know there's opinion both ways. What do you say? I don't want to pray with that Muslim because he doesn't agree with my opinion. After a thousand and three hundred years plus, this issue is not as simple as I'm expressing it. It has, it, it has gotten frozen into blocks of people who refuse to go to each other's masjid because of something like this. Brothers and sisters, are we praying for the fuqaha who came up with these opinions or are we praying to Allah Jalla Jalalu? Who are we praying to? And Allah in His, everything we begin, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, we invoke His Rahmah. And when it comes to issue like this, Allah doesn't have Rahmah. That's what we, we're not saying this to each other, we're behaving this to each other. Same thing, I mentioned this previously, but I mentioned again, the second taslima after, when we end our salah, we say, we mention Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah. Is the second Assalamu alaykum or Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah saying it, does it invalidate the prayer or validate the prayer? And we have it both ways. And why should this become an issue of division among us?
an imam, some imam is leading the prayer. And let's say a Muslim behind him believes that he should say Assalamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullah to the angel on the right shoulder and then Assalamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullah to the angel on the left shoulder. إِذْ يَتَلَقَّ الْمُتَلَقِّيَانِ عَنِ الْيَمِينِ وَعَنِ الشِّمَالِ Okay, let's say the person didn't say it to the angel on the, on the left-hand side. Well, what's the big deal about that? Or to the Muslims on the right and the Muslims on the left. What's the big deal about that? When the person says, Assalamu alaikum, it's plural to all of you. And then we just had Eid al-Adha. Eid al-Adha, there's an issue here. If, if there's a sheep that is less than a half year old, is that to be accepted as an udhiya, as a sacrificial animal or not? Some fuqaha say yes, it's acceptable. Other, the majority of others say no, it has to be more than half a year. If someone's heart agrees to any one of these opinions, why should I make place a distance and bad feelings between me and the other Muslim who doesn't agree with my opinion? Why? Why do we do this? Another issue that has to do with Eid al-Adha, being that it was this week, The majority of schools of thought say that the udhiya, the sacrifice of the animal, should be within those three days called ayam al-tashriq. What if a, some faqiyah, and this happened, I don't want to name the fuqah because sometimes people get nervous. But a certain school of thought says you can do it on the fourth day. So, you can do it that may, whoever, uh, the, uh, that school of thought is making it a little easier for Muslims. We don't want to make things a little easier for us, especially when we go to Hajj and everything is cramped and hard to do and all of this. During Ramadan, there's something called al hijama when blood is withdrawn for medical or health purposes. Does that break the fast of the person who has it done to him? According to one school of thought, it breaks the fasts of the two persons. The person doing it and the person it is done to. The rest of the schools of thought say, no, it's no problem. You can maintain your fast while this is done. Can we live with this? Can we make room for ourselves? Can we understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us the ability to have our minds and hearts meet on issues like this? Are we supposed to continue to torture ourselves with this division? What if al-ma'moom, the person following in the prayer, says the second assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah in prayer before the imam? Does that invalidate his prayer or does it? it you have it both ways. If you're looking at the body of literature of fuqaha, 
one of them invalidates uh, if you do it if the ma'mum does it before the imam the second taslima then validates his prayer if there's a muslim who agrees with that on my head as some people would say but if others say no it's no problem then it's no problem the adhan we begin our adhan with four with four Allahu Akbar some begin their adhan only saying Allahu Akbar twice can we make room for ourselves and say both of them are correct there's nothing that says one way is the only way there's nothing nothing that says that no ayah by the way none of the ayat speak about these issues and no hadith that says only one way is the correct way in these matters in these matters the only thing and I've had discussions with quote unquote scholars fuqaha and ulama the only thing they will tell you from whichever school of thought they come from they say well the prophet says sallu kama ra'aytumuni usalli you pray as you saw me pray pray okay we saw the prophet at one time pray a certain way another time pray another way there's nothing prophet says i'm only praying one way there's no hadith to that effect and here we are creating all of these issues for ourselves and the person making his sajda what if he makes his sajda on cloth or he makes his sajda on the aba, uh, the amama that he's wearing or on a sleeve that a long sleeve that he has or on his hand or whatever it's not on the ground what if the person makes a sajda like that is that valid or invalid please brothers and sisters give your other muslim the right to have equality if he believes it is valid or invalid to do that please do that bro come out of the umawi islam and the reaction to the umawi islam come out of that then the khutbah al-jumu'ah this khutbah that we're giving do a, do a khatib has to does he have to have wudu to express the khutbah or not some fuqaha say yes he has to have wudu others say no not the khutbah the salah yes but not the khutbah okay whoever's heart is comfortable with that we don't live in people's hearts the heart is a relationship between that person and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whatever that heart feeling Allah in it whatever it's comfortable with let it be comfortable with it please and close this door of divisions now we have Jumu'ah prayers what if in Jumu'ah prayers there is a khatib the person giving the khutbah and only one who's attending 
is that can that be considered a Jumu'ah prayer or not? And here we have once again a majority opinion says no. It has to be a jama'ah, that's not a jama'ah. But we have a minority opinion saying no, it's all right. If there's someone listening to the khutbah, even if it's one person, it's a khutbah. If those two individuals, the khatib and the one listening to him, agree that they feel that this is a jumu'ah, alhamdulillah, that's a jumu'ah, may Allah accept from them. Most of the others, they condition it on the attendance of 40 individuals. Another school of thought says, no, it has to be at least 12 individuals. Whatever the case is, from 1 to 40 to more to less, it doesn't matter as long as the heart is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't get caught up in these technicalities that divide us and do not unite us. And then we come to the issue of sujood. Is a sajda defined only by the forehead on the ground? Or you have to have your hands on the ground? And your legs on the ground? And your feet on the ground? And in another school of thought, in addition to all of that, your nose on the ground? Whatever your heart tells you, all of these opinions are there. Please, brothers and sisters, Marginal. These issues are components of our sha'air, no doubt. But don't make them the central issue. Don't make them the defining issue. And don't make them the evaluation issue, please. In Salat al-Janazah, do we read the Fatiha or do we not read the Fatiha? In some schools of thought says Salat al-Janazah is it has to have Surah al-Fatiha in it. You have to read Surah al-Fatiha in the first rakah or whatever for it to be considered Salat al-Janazah. Others say no. That's not necessary. Salat al-Janazah is actually a dua a supplication for the deceased. So it, it, it's defined between salah and between dua. Whether you consider it a salah or whether you consider it a dua, please, brothers and sisters, don't make this an issue that gives you negative feelings about the other Muslim who disagrees with you on this issue. Please. Then in Salat al-Janazah also, As-Salatu ala nabi During Salat al-Janazah or Dua al-Janazah, do we say Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ali Muhammad? Some schools of thought say yes, you have to say it. Others say no, you can have a Salat al-Janazah without saying it. Okay. Alhamdulillah, with, for both opinions, Alhamdulillah that we have this accommodation among us and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide those who are stuck in this rut of 14 centuries that is called Umawi Islam and the reaction to Umawi Islam 
أقول قولي هذا وأستغفر الله لي ولكم أدعوه سبحانه وأنتم على يقين بالإجابة وتوبوا إلى الله إن الله تواب رحيم الحمد لله بجميع المحامد على جميع النعم وصلى الله وسلم على المبعوث خيرا ورحمة وهدى لكافة الأمم محمد النبي الأمي وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم Dear brothers, committed Muslims, brothers and sisters They're now in the land of Mecca and Medina In that land now there's a mass violation of human rights anyone who is perceived to be a threat to that society now or in the future is imprisoned or taken to some type of court to go through some proceedings legal procedures to either be executed or put in prison the minister of Hajj they have a minister of Hajj he made a statement this past week a few days couple of days two or three days ago he said with all of the things we hear about Israel Israel permitted Muslims to go to Al-Hajj. Everyone should be permitted to go to the Hajj. But there is another country. He didn't specify what country he meant. But those who were listening understood that what he means is either Qatar or Tunisia. That country, the officials in that country told their people not to go to the Hajj. Listen who's speaking, a person, they've limited the Hajj, they've banned many individuals from going to the Hajj, and here's what he comes out and he says, and then yesterday they take a person who is a regular preacher in the Haram in Mecca, he gives the khutbah on Fridays very regularly. Well, yesterday they came to him and they took him to prison. And they said, you made, you gave a statement in which you said, Muslims should stand up to injustice and they should identify the munkar. That's a general statement like that. And that was enough to throw him behind bars, which means they have a list and they're looking for excuses to take the persons on that list into detention. Recently, this uh, adolescent who's becoming king, he made an offer to the officials in Syria, I think it was the president himself, he made him an offer. He said, look, 
we will rebuild Syria. We will pay for all of the expenses to rebuild Syria. Syria right now is virtually destroyed. So he says, we will, don't worry about the expenses. We'll put in whatever it takes, hundreds of billions of dollars, whatever it is, it's, we'll consider that our responsibility. And we will recognize you as the president for life. Provided you do two things. First of all, you cut off your relations with Iran. And second of all, you have nothing to do with Hezbollah. Just these two things and Syria will become whatever you want it to become. Those to indicate what? The Saudis and their political masters and their military coaches, they've realized that they lost in this seven-year war in Syria. And now they're desperate. They want to see how they can, how they can make a comeback on good terms, reconciliatory terms. These are the issues, some of the issues. Another massacre in Yemen, the Saudi alliance commits another massacre of civilians in Yemen in this past week. Massacres are almost a weekly affair in Yemen. The Saudis making the Hajj a tourist money generating venture. They impose fees on Muslims who want to go to Hajj. Where, where does that come from? Why impose on me any of your fees? I don't have to pay you anything for going to Hajj. Can we begin to ask these types of questions? Why are they imposing these fees on us? Why do they treat Muslims coming from countries that they don't like? Why do they treat them like dirt? And then other Muslims who come from governments that are buddy-buddies with them, they feast them. I wish I could show you the uh, social media communication just on a short distance from Mina. These elites from the governments in Muslim countries, how they are feasting. And they're only there for two or three days. Their Hajj is only two or three days. And you think they walk with the people? You think their Sa'i and their Tawaf is with the people? No! They, they have their special accommodations. All of this, they don't want... See, that's why they don't want us to bring up these issues. They want us to drown in the issues I was mentioning in the first khutbah so that we can have bad feelings towards each other. I want to quote to you, I'll end it by this, I want to quote to you a few sentences that were written in a book called Sharh al-Aqidah al-Tadmuriya, written by the number one or number two scholar in that Saudi kingdom. It says, quote, وَإِذَا سَأَلَ سَأَلَ And if there's someone who was to ask, 
هل يجب طاعة ولي الأمر العاصي Is it mandatory to obey a decision maker who is disobedient to Allah الجواب ولي الأمر العاصي يجب طاعته ما لم يكن كافرا The decision maker who is disobedient you have to obey him if he is not a kafir إن كفر كفرا صريحا عندنا فيه من الله برهان if he is guilty of a flagrant an obvious kufr which we can identify by the information we have from Allah وأما إذا كان يشرب الخمر ويزني ويتلوط ويقتل النفس بغير الحق فإنه يجب طاعته حتى لو ضربك ضربا فيجب عليك أن تطيعه Even if we're still speaking about this disobedient ruler even if he is a drunkard he drinks liquor he's a fornicator ويزني ويتلوط He has sex with the same sex, with the same gender. And he kills innocent human beings without justification. You have to obey him even if he strikes you. You have to obey him. What type of Islam is this? What happened to all of the ayat and the ahadith that speak about al-taghut, al-zulm, al-munkar? You can't see that all of these went off his radar and to make a statement like this, to give justification to Muslims, to continue to give legitimacy to those who are killing us. And they make statements, these types of people, they make statements like this because they have the general Muslim public involved in squabbles about your salah is valid or your salah is not valid. I'm not going to pray behind that imam, I'm not going to pray behind the other one. I'm not going to go to that masjid, I'm not going to go to the other one. And we keep on going like this with all of these holes that we made for all of these militaries to come in and do what they're doing with us. This is what's happening. This is the real world. Or else, if we could just begin to think about the issues in the book of Allah and in the seerah of His Prophet, begin to think about these issues in a real significant way, you think we would have the issue of Palestine the way it is today? You think we'd have all these wars going on the way that they are going on today? We have, we have so much distances between ourselves that it's more comfortable for some of us to speak to the Zionists and imperialists than it is to speak to ourselves. 
It's the truth. It's the truth. Some people now, officials in high positions, officials in Islamic movements, in Islamic organizations, they feel like, hey, we have to communicate with the world. You can't communicate with the other Muslims. You want to communicate with the world. It's what we have. This is the truth. And I'm trying to get at the roots of this issue. It's not, it's not a heartening thing for me to stand up here at Jumu'ah time and speak about our flaws. These divisive issues that have nested in our minds for centuries. And now the ghosts are coming to haunt us because of these serious mistakes. Do they mention the issue of Al-Aqsa in these masajid? Do they mention the issue that this is the 22nd Jumu'ah in Palestine in which Muslims are standing up to an enemy that is identified by Muslims and non-Muslims alike? And we have these types of rulers that they tell us we should obey them. We have them genuflecting in the niche of Zionism. Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan warzuqna tiba'a wa arina al-batila batilan warzuqna ijtinaabah wa la taj'alhu multabisan alayna wa ja'alna lilmuttaqina imama Allahumma ahdina fiman hadayt wa aafina fiman aafayt وتولنا فيمن توليت وبارك لنا فيما أعطيت وقنا شر ما قضيت فإنك تقضي ولا يقضى عليك وإنه لا يذل من وليت ولا يعز من عاديت تباركت ربنا وتعاليت فلك الحمد على ما قضيت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك وصلى الله على محمد وآل محمد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه وسعى في خرابها أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون وأقم الصلاة